Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to episode 71 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm your host, Michael McCall. And I'm Steve Pander. And we're joined by our special guest, Harjit Johal, Har Journalist. Hey guys, how's everyone doing tonight? Well, we could be a lot better. We've just watched the Whitecaps throw away what was really a very comfortable 1-0 lead at halftime. Absolutely just collapsing in the second half, mixture of the heat bad defensive mixes, a sending off, some controversial moments elsewhere in the game. But all in all, as Carol Robinson said after the match, it was a kick in the teeth. Yeah, definitely. I thought the first half, like you said, it was complete control. There was no danger coming from Chivas. And the Whitecaps could have easily been up a couple of goals by when you look consider how much control they had of the game. I mean, Har, I mean, what, what do you pin the blame on? Was it just too hot, the conditions, and the players tired? Was it the sending off that turned the game? Or was it the inability to take their chances that they did create, and that's really cost them dearly? Well, there are a number of factors that I think cost the Whitecaps three points tonight against Chivas. I talked to a couple of Chivas players, and you know they said that they had a good pep talk at halftime, and you could see that when they came out uh, for the second half. They really got going, and that, that quick goal, it really set the caps back and you could feel the energy at BC Place. It just got zapped both in the stands and on the pitch uh, from anyone wearing a white caps uh, uniform. And I think that the Jordan Harvey, the red card, it completely uh, befuddled the team. We saw that same thing happen earlier this season when Matias Lava was sent off. And I, I don't think the, the white caps adapted well. We, we saw that and uh, Carl Robinson had already used two of his subs. So, you know, they really couldn't do much to, uh, you know, get back in the game. And they have missed opportunities in previous matches since the uh, all, um, since the World Cup break ended. And, you know, they didn't take advantage, and Chivas did, and that's why they're leaving town with all three points. Well, in actuality, if you look at the stats, after the sending off, they actually controlled the most of possession. The white caps and, and it was the time before the sending off that I think they, when the first goal went in, between that and the sending off where after the goal went in it didn't seem like they knew what to do but once the sending off happened they seemed to be on the attack um, it was like you were saying the missed chances Rio Coker with that chance uh, where I think if anybody else was in that position I tweeted out that I thought if Morales was uh, was in that spot it would have been a buried shot and somebody retweeted tweeted me back said 
if anybody was there. And I kind of agree with that. If anybody was there, it would have been on net. Do you think they uh, were on the attack too much, Steve? Yeah, well, that's what caught them because they, they gave up that goal to Torres. They, they gave you know, way too much space down that left side where uh, where Dean was on, came on for Harvey. I think Robinson did a good job of getting Dean out there a lot faster than what he did against Colorado. Because against Colorado, they lost uh, Lava and they really had no reply in that middle and they lost it, you know, gave up really two quick goals in that area to that one player. This time they had Dean, but Dean, I guess, wasn't ready or something like that. And, and Delgado was able to get that ball into Torres. It was great for him. But, you know, you got to look at that too. Betashore, where was he in the marking and all the other guys that were in that area? And they, they lost the first and the second goal, they lost to headers. They've lost a lot of goals to headers this year. And the thing that's annoyed me most, which we, we saw in the first goal in particular, so many of those headed goals that they've conceded, they've been unchallenged. Nobody's risen up to get it. So, I mean, that was disappointing. I don't think you can blame Dean too much for the second goal, because I, I still think that even if it had been Harvey that was there, they would still have got that ball across. I do agree, but I like, think he could have closed a little bit more, yeah. but that's just picking in, really I mean, the, what happened in the middle. But that Delgado cross and the Rosales yeah. cross from the corner, they were pinpoint accurate yeah. crosses. They were fantastic. Going back to the real Kokermas, he was just on the field, and like as Har mentioned, they had just made the substitutions. It was about a minute later that Harvey went. I think they were still the right substitutions, and you did see that when they came on, that it brought a, a whole different impact to the game. And Darren Mattix was looking hungry. He looked back to himself. Also, he missed them, which is back to his old self as well. But you also got to look at, the, you know, everybody's going to blame Rio Coker and uh, Maddox. But if you look at it earlier in the first half, too, we were talking about the missed chances. There were so many times where Hurtado, that one where Morales dipped it, you know. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful pass. tip down. He brought it down nicely, was on the ground but he just shot it way wider than that. Well, even the build-up to that attempt, though, like Kofi played a brilliant ball through to Morales, Morales first time right into the path of Hurtado, and Hurtado, to his credit, he controlled it well, and I said that when we watched the replay, great control. The finish, though, it's like you have to at least try and get it on target. Yeah. He was like, or at least close to target. It well, wasn't even like close at all. Where 15 the, feet wider where, than that? No, yeah, the goalie didn't even have to make an attempt Some on Some guy ball. in Rogers Arena got hit with that. <laughs> um, but even even despite that chance, there were a number of times when her, both Hurtado and Manny made their runs down the f- in, into the box or down the sidelines. And once they got to the final third or the, you know close to the sideline, seemed like they had no idea what to do whether they should have shot early or laid off the ball right away it was it was just befuddling it was frustrating at times well before i go on my rant about manny just to telegraph what's coming har what did you think of of kikuta manny tonight and also last week i thought he was definitely a little bit hesitant in his decision making i believe the first in the first half he had a, a great shooting opportunity I'm not sure if he fumbled the ball or if he was going to pass or shoot, but before he could make up his mind, the defender was on him right away and his shot attempt was blocked. I think he was better this week than he was last week, but he's still a young guy. There's obviously going to be growing pains. You've got to be patient patient with him. I would really have him come off the bench, maybe in the 60th minute, and I would start Darren Maddox. I think... Scooter is best used as a sub right now to uh, attack tired defenders in the second half. And maybe we'll see Carl make the switch in Toronto. I really think Russell Tybert's going to get that start. So 
we'll have to see what un- unfolds with those two guys. Yeah, Ma- Maddox is great at that uh, for now, but I, th- I honestly think they need somebody that is a pure winger and somebody that can then they can if they're not going to get a, a striker to you know although I think they do need one. If they're not going to get a striker, move Mane to the middle and have him play more middle and get somebody that's capable, like a, like a Fernandez is playing on the right side, Mane, get somebody that can play the left side or switch him out or whatever they want to do. Somebody that can service the ball into the box or do something with the ball when they're at the edge of the box more capably than what Mane's doing right now. now I was and saying well, to you before the game that, well, first of all, in, in Mane's defence, he is not a left winger. He doesn't play well there. He's much better suited to being through the middle. But he is frustrating the hell out of me just now because he tries to beat man after man. There was one occasion tonight he tried to get past five men and he was never going to do it. He did that last week against Seattle. It's always one or two many men that he's trying to get by. It, it, his control as well. There's a couple of times tonight actually he made a chance because he overhit the ball and the Shivas defender wasn't even expecting that. So it kind of confused the, the Shivas defender of what was happening. But he's he's just out of form just now, and he really, really needs to come off the bench. I remember talking to uh, Toronto's keeper, Joe Bendick, when the Canadian Championships were here in Vancouver, and he was telling me the scouting report on Kakuda from what they studied as the opposition basically was he's going to cut in and he's going to shoot to the left. And if you watch Kakuda Mane, from that point on to right now, it's exactly right. And I think the opposition, you know, they know this and they're, they've game planned for what Kakuda's going to do. I think he's got to mix it up, maybe maybe try a different position as you were suggesting, Steve. He's got to try something new and, you know, it's a it comes with being a young player and hopefully he can get it going because he's an exciting player and he makes things happen. But also, he also needs to use his teammates more, I believe. Yeah, that, that was both, something both I wrote. Him and, both him and her time. Yeah, I wrote that before the game as well um, when I had done like some keys to the game in Soccerly. And one of them was that Manny has to stop being so selfish and realise that he's not playing as a striker. He's playing in a creative role in the wing. And what the Caps need from that role is him to send the ball in for somebody like Morales or Hurtado to finish. And that's not what he's doing. He's trying to do it all himself. We saw that from Matix last year and we saw how badly that ended. Yeah, he's an exciting talent. He's a great player. I really, really, though, don't know if he has got it in him to change his game. Is his game any different to, I'm just going to put my head down and run and hope that the ball sticks to my feet and my speed will get me past these guys? Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's frustrating in, in, because we've seen what he can do against Seattle last year and everything like that. Yeah. And remember that, that, uh, that time he was playing up top. Yeah, that's the thing. He was the out-and-out striker then. So it, it, it's a matter of them seeing where they can. Maybe they need to do a formation change in order to put different people on the pitch. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do for Well, Carol's, Carol's talked this week at training how he's... He's considering more looking to go to the 4-4-2 diamond. They've also been experimenting and training with a 3-5-2 option, which is what I've always loved way before it was faster than the World Cup. When I've played these football management games, I always went 3-5-2 because I just think it gives you just more options. I don't know that we have the personnel just now that I'd be comfortable doing that with, especially on the right side and maybe the left side of midfield, I don't know. Sam Arikubi maybe could do that role because we've seen him do it for the residency big difference between doing it against 18 year olds and grown men now speaking of Sam obviously he might get a chance against TFC because obviously one of the biggest talking points was the red card 
in your guys' opinion, Michael first, I guess, or Har first? No, let, let Har go first. Har, Har first. Was that a red card justified? I've only seen one replay, so I don't know if it was justified. But from what I saw, it looked like Jordan came in with two feet. And I definitely think Osvaldo Mita, I think he made a meal of it. He definitely sold it. A yellow card? Yeah, I think it should have been deserving of at least a yellow card. But I'd have to see for the replays to know whether I think it's a red card. And yeah, it's a disappointing for Jordan. You know, he's not missed. I don't think he's missed any MLS minutes this year, and it's a tough way to uh, sit one out. But, you know, maybe Sam Matakubi gets a chance in Toronto. And, of course, including Sam, it could also be Christian Dean because he's the one that came on today. Also, my opinion about that, I, I think it was justified. He came in, left his feet, and went in hard. He basically lost the ball, was knocked off the ball, and I think he got overexcited and tried to, to, to do too much to get the ball back. And I think that's where they, he lost it on this game. I think he was probably going to get rested in one of these two games anyway, and it would probably have been the game against Toronto that I think he might have been rested. So it might not have too much of an impact on Kyle Robinson's plans. When I first saw it, I didn't think it was a red card. I thought it was harsh. But as soon as I saw the replay, and I've watched it a couple of times since, clear red in my book, no doubt about it. Dangerous play. He jumped in. Both feet were off the ground. It wasn't a scissor kick motion, but the legs were either they side were on of the side, yeah. yeah. Um, and the studs were up, and he came in at speed. And unfortunately, in the modern day game, you just can't do that. No, every uh, every MLS like when we I watch the instant replay on the on MLS site, I, 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 every time that happens, the red card usually comes out, or uh, Simon Borg is saying that that should be a red card. Uh, so I, when I saw it, I, I go, especially when you saw the speed he went at Minda, I think that was really, yeah. the, if he went a little bit slower at him, it would have been really dramatic. Yeah, it looked very dramatic, and I think the, the red card was justified. Obviously, that was one of the controversial moments. There was another one at the end of the game with Pedro Morales. We'll talk about that in a minute. But before we get talking about that, let's hear some audio from Kyle Robinson after the match, where he talks about Jordan Harvey sending off, also the Pedro Morales incident, and a few other things from today's game. Here's Carol Robinson. Carol, were you given an explanation on that goal? It looked like Pedro Morales maybe had tapped it in across the line and Dan Kennedy maybe bobbled it. What do you think on that? Was I given an explanation? Nope. What did I think of it? I was hoping it was a goal. I think you, you saw from the first, I think, 35, 40 seconds that when Carlisle Mitchell put, picked up a, a yellow card with a, with a tackle that thought you, I knew the way the game was going to go. Um, what I can focus on and I want to focus on is my team's performance today. We lost. It's bitterly disappointing because I don't think we deserve to lose. You know, we're very comfortable in the first half going one goal ahead. We played the way I wanted us to play without probably the lack of cutting edge in the final third. You know, we've we, we done everything correctly and then the little final details in the give and goes or in and around the box weren't there uh, in the first half. And then even at the second half when we went down to 10 men, you know, we, we adjusted it and Nigel and Darren both come on and we both had, you know, they both had very good chances. So, you know, disappointing, kicking the teeth for me, uh, for the guys in there because of the work they put in. But I said, it's, uh, I'll take the positives out of my own team's performance, which I can comment on. You know, I, I don't know. You know, I spoke to Jordan, he's, he's apologised. He's, you know, whether he's left his feet, if he's left his feet, it's a red card. And, you know, I think there was one uh, in about the 90th minute, uh, what I thought was a similar challenge, but... I don't have to make calls on decisions, whether they're uh, controversial or not. 
you know, I obviously I'll support my player in whatever way if, if I think he hasn't done anything wrong. And you know, he got bumped and he, he went after the ball. So until I see it again, I can't really. Do you, do you feel this was the points taken out of your hands tonight, or were you more upset with you, you, you didn't bury him when you had a chance? A, a bit of both, really. I think we've we dropped three points tonight, and like I said all along, you got to win at home and try and pick up points on the road. So I just said to him, in "There, we need to try and win an extra away game now." Which I'm confident we will because we're we're not bad on the road. We can catch teams on the break, and you know it, it just puts a little not a little bit more pressure. But we got to make up a game now. So disappointed, but you know we got a busy week ahead. You mentioned during the week that you had your plans for the next two games. Does this now throw those out the window? Maybe. Yeah, I might have to sleep on it now and, and see what I'm going to do. But um, over the next week, there'll be players that get opportunities. They will. Obviously, like I said we need to try and chase three points somewhere along the line but we've still got 15 16 games to go so you know it's it's not a big rush for us if i feel i'll speak to the guys on monday and see when we fly to toronto if they're tired and you know based on that i'll, I'll pick the team that i think can go out and win that game do you feel that he had any impact on the, the performance in the second half especially just after half time they kind of switched over? yeah i think we i think we started slow at the start of the second half and i just said to him there that was probably the this disappointed thing from the game because I didn't feel under any threat really in the first half and the 10 minutes after half time are always key in any game and obviously they got the goal and they got the bit between the teeth but like I said earlier, even going down to 10 men I thought we were the better team and we controlled possession and we had the number of chances but we didn't take them chances so um, third play to Chivas, they take the three points and they get out of here. So Carl Robinson there, obviously very disappointed after the game, and we'll hear from the players in a little bit. So let, let's talk about that Pedro Morales incident at the end of the game. Dan Kennedy had the ball in the line, Pedro went in, did Kennedy have full control of it? The ball ended up in the net, it was definitely over the line, but referee Villarreal said no goal. Well, honestly, I have to be honest, I did not see it fully. Um, and they won't they won't pull a, put a replay on now I don't think on MLS so I have to wait till I get home, but from what it looked like he did have his hand on it, um, and in most cases I think it's a fifty fifty call I think some referees will call it some referees won't in this case he he called it because he he was strict from the beginning he was you know giving oh yeah Mitchell got the red card and oh yeah forty oh yeah sorry yellow, yellow. card forty forty five seconds I yeah. thought he was going to get the red card yeah. Because we've seen Carlisle, he almost picks a booking up in every game. Yeah, That's but he seems it. to play better after he picks up a booking. I think he has to <laughs> really be switched on because yeah. of that. And I, I was really worried about that. But then as the game went on, I was kind of more worried that Leveron might end up getting a red card for some of his tackles. I would need to see it again as well. My first instinct from what I saw was it was a goal. Watching the replay, I was like, no, I think he did have control. So he seemed like he had one hand on it or something. Yeah, like it's that. whether and he had full control. Yeah. It happened so fast as yeah. well that makes you think it's maybe hard to have full control at that speed because it was a split second. Yeah. Got the ball, fell to the goal line. Pedro went in. I don't know goalkeepers get way too much protection these days anyway. For I my think, liking, I, I like the old days where you could just barge them into the net. <laughs> I think Pedro Morales has got to be a bit more vocal there. I think he's got to maybe sell it or maybe, you know, get in the referee's ear. And oh, he was in there. He was yeah. He was He was turning away celebrating. Yeah. He thought he'd scored. Well, after that, I see him patting Kennedy on the back or whatever. I mean, come on. He's a nice guy. But talking to Pedro Morales, I thought today and last week he's kind of shown some good form again. He's just needing more round about him to yeah. get this team clicking. 
And I, I'm going to throw this one out there. Transfer window is obviously open. We won't speculate about what players in particular might be coming in. But do you feel, with the squad that the Whitecaps have right now, Har, there's enough quality there to get them into the playoffs, or do they need to make some additions? I think there is enough quality to get the Whitecaps into the playoffs. Having said that, I think there's only one spot, and I think it's the fifth and final spot that they do make the playoffs, and that's the one they will get. I think they need a couple of pieces to push them over the top to upgrade the team. Definitely uh, a striker, somebody who can score goals, a big, tall lad, something like that. And definitely centre-back. I think centre-back is a key uh, key area for this team. You've got Jade, Andy, definitely hobbled. And, you know, if you get Carlisle or Johnny suspended, is Christian Dean or someone else going to be capable to step in? I don't think you want to go the rest of the way with Johnny and Carlisle as your two definite dominant center back. So I definitely think center back and a striker, a big tall forward, I think those would be the two areas I think the Whitecaps would need to improve on. And if they, they can't do that, then I don't see them getting above fifth spot. I totally agree with you there. I think it is all about a battle for fifth. The crazy thing is, if the Whitecaps had won tonight, they'd have moved into second spot because Salt Lake lost 1-0 to LA. Other results went in their favour. But now, instead of being in second place, they're hanging on to fifth. LA's got closer to them and Shivas are now two points behind them. Yeah. It's going to be a tough... They need to make up these points that they lost on the, at home here. Um, they, they need to either pull out a couple of draws or a win in one of those two places that they're going to play this week. But or, what, what, do you feel they have got the quality oh, to get in? That, uh, yeah, I, I think they have uh, the quality to be on the brink of getting in. Uh, I, I agree with the... the I'm, not, I'm not sure about centre-back. I think Andy O'Brien could get back in time. And J.D. Merritt, you know, they, he's still there. I would like I, I talked about earlier in the podcast the the right mid spot or the left mid spot wherever you want to put Fernandez put get somebody for the opposite side because I think if there's just not enough service like we talked about before of a Manny and that would push Manny into the middle and maybe get him some time playing as a striker otherwise change formations get a four four two and maybe bring another central midfielder but the thing is you know we talked about it before where are they going to get the money from right now Kenny Miller's money is off the books that's a big chunk but where else are they going to they're going to have to ship somebody out in order to bring somebody else in well I mean are they making plans for Nigel yeah Omar Salgado it looks like he's going to go it's not going to free up a lot of money but yeah he was pretty vocal in the pregame show yeah I mean he didn't he didn't go directly into saying he wanted out but like his first question uh, they, they asked him was how's your season so far and he was saying bad he just came out and said bad and it was like no no and after that you know, then it kept you know kept talking about it, and he was basically intimating that he, he he's not had happy being here right now. I mean, it would be nice to see what he could do, but he isn't helping himself either. He had yeah. another training bust up on Friday. This time with Sam Adekugbe, and that's not the first time he's clashed with Kakuta Mani this year. He's clashed with Jordan Harvey, who's like one of the nicest guys. That even opposition players, I know he almost like decapitated like Minda today or at least chopped his legs off but he is like a nice guy that doesn't get into arguments with opposition players yeah. but even he got into an argument with Salgado so I mean what what did you see yesterday it was Omar and Sam just just competitiveness or chip on the shoulder I think it was a bit of a bit of both competitive competitiveness for sure 
you know, uh, they wanted to maybe just give them a bit of a breather, you know, it can get feisty between the two, between teammates during those scrimmages, as we've seen, not just with uh, Omar, but with sometimes other players, you know, what happens within a team, but, you know, when it happens to one specific player more than anyone else on the team, you're definitely going to get a reputation, you're going to get, you know, people talking about it and wondering what the, his future is. You know, I think Omar, maybe he could do with a, a new change of scenery. He's been absolutely great whenever I, I've talked to him. I think he's a, a very nice guy, and I hope he can, you know, turn it around somewhere, if not here in Vancouver. I don't know what his value is when you go on local radio station and you uh, kind of take a bit of a dig without taking a big dig at, you know, what's happening. So, um yeah, well, it'll uh, be interesting to see what happens to Omar and the team. And the thing is, is he's this has been going on since the first year he came in. Like he, I remember uh, Empire Terry Dunfield having to take a big chunk out of him after a game. Um, he was pouting or complaining or something like that. And then, and every obviously everybody went after Dunfield because everybody was protective of Sagato, like supporters in that way. And then also, um, he went after PDL legend Derek Bassey. Yeah, uh, and training. That was and, another, and that was another a, training. That incident. was a vicious one, that, that one was. And it was basically Salgado not taking anything from somebody who thought who he thought was a lesser player than him. And I, I understand he's frustrated, and he's, he's right to be frustrated. And I do think he could do a job for the White Cats, and he hasn't got the opportunity. But Carroll made it very clear to him pre-season, and I saw this with my own eyes down in Portland, that he's not going to take any crap from any of the players at training, and if they show attitude, he said to them, you're out the door. And he's he's got to the end now that he must be kind of pretty much at the final straw. So that would free up some some money, some space. We obviously don't know like what other movements. I, I put out on Twitter last night, I wouldn't mind Chivas doing a, a swap deal for Eric Torres and in return for Darren Mattox and Omar Salgado. We don't think that's be- going to happen. We should do that before the game if we're going to do it. Yeah. I'd love that. I mean, yeah, can, I can you right imagine, now. like, I mean, Torres, uh, Rosales has provided so much for Torres this year. He's not getting much help from anyone else. Can you no. imagine what kind of player, that's 13 goals he's got now, what kind of player would he be in MLS with the kind of service that we have the potential to to provide we're yeah. not always showing it but I, I'm just a big fan of him you kind of also have to think he's going to go back to Mexico yeah I'm not sure is, is he on permanent loan or it, well, he's on loan well, there's been a lot of talk that the the Chivas fans down in Mexico want to take him back yeah. but I mean that, that's, that's for another day I, I do feel we need a striker and Carl's made it known he's wanting a big guy Rob Friend I think could still be a possibility I don't want him here I don't think he's the kind of guy we need but he's out of favour at LA he's had injuries and stuff but he might be somebody that might come back internal trade maybe they send Rio Coker back for him or something like that that'd be risky because it's a western rival that at the moment is challenging you for that fifth spot but I, I agree with Steve for me the big area of concern is left wing left midfield we, we need a we need a, a left winger a fearsome left winger Arthur Scargill we, it, it, they might even go into maybe experimenting with maybe putting Russell Tiber back there because last year he did have a few moments uh, Mr. Versatile yeah and, and he had a few moments in the month of June and August where he was 
able to supply something from the left side. Well, he's they, got more tools in his locker than a Swiss Army knife. He does. And, well, or maybe they go to a 4-4-2 where they put him on the left side and maybe he can provide service from that central midfield position. But we'll see what happens. It's, well, it's a long way to go. Since we're there. talking about Russell Tiber, and we were talking about this before the game, signed his, his new contract yesterday. Yeah. Everyone seems really happy about it. Everyone except me. I don't think he's that good a player and I'd actually pitch the idea that we should maybe consider getting rid of him. Yeah, he's not going anywhere, so you might as well put that in your back pocket. No, I know. I just I don't think he's a utility player, which is good. He's not a starter. I mean, Harv, what's your thoughts on Russell? I think he's got a good future with the Whitecaps. He's definitely shown flashes where he can be a really good serviceable player. Serviceable player. I, I remember last season him and Camillo and Kenny Miller. They had. Big stretch where they were dominant and they oh were, yeah that that month of they June were tremendous last, year. last yeah. season. I don't think we've seen that this year from Russell because he just hasn't had the opportunity, and when he has, he hasn't put a string of consecutive games together where he has been. But not I haven't a good seen it from him in training either. That's the thing. He, he has like someone like Fernandez, but he's had a bad week. He steps it up in training. He gets noticed and he gets in the team. Tybert's not doing that. Well, it's because he's spending a lot of time on his hair. And I think for the money, we obviously don't know what the money is he's going to be on, but I think looking at what his salary was before when it was homegrown in Generation Adidas, it's not going to be a kick off that. You have to think it's more. Yeah. Carol said he's one for the future, future captain of the club. I just have my doubts he's good enough. I don't think he's shown enough development and growth this year to be a player that's going to make a big difference for the Whitecaps in years to I come. Think, I think you haven't noticed him as much. I think, like, especially there was one game where he played against. Uh, the LA game, where he completely manhandled Robbie Keane. That's like one game. That's oh, but, the uh, he's done, but he's done other games like that too. I think you just don't notice him. You just have I know. I can see Ben Massey's load, loading his shotgun, listening no, to this. No, I, I, I think I think he's I think he's a solid player. I think I, I don't think he's a superstar by any means, but he's a solid player as of right now, and he's still young, uh, still at a young age. If he's being paid something like a Harvey money, then I think he's worth it at this point. I don't. I mean, he he's somebody I think we should get rid of. Bryce Alderson's another guy as well. You look at his salary. You get rid of that. You can sign. Well, he's Christos a and Froze. He's a G. I know. He's not, going, so he he's not going. He's not going anywhere. No, but. he's a homegrown, so he might not even count. So no, but he, he eats money. at one of those homegrown spots, which oh. prevents the Whitecaps then moving somebody else up. Yeah. Now the thing we don't know about Russell, he was also in one of those homegrown spots. So you have to think he now isn't. So that could open up, and if Caleb Clark moves on somewhere. Yeah, there'll be open spots for next yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, Bustos we'll throws. I mean, somebody like Bustos coming into the team just now, why not give it a shot? Because the other guys aren't stepping up. Yeah. So, before we talk anymore, let's hear some final audio from the Whitecaps locker room. We're going to hear from David Ousted, and the man who scored his first MLS goal as a Whitecap. Very happy in that regard, but sad for the loss, Carlisle Mitchell. Disappointed. Got it, is in other words. Um said before the game we, we shouldn't take this lightly I, I don't think we did but uh, we didn't get the result so um, disappointed just, just, What was your thought on the, on the especially the, the first goal it just seemed like the free header from the six there was just a lack of concentration or? Um, Yeah we were talking about the, it, it's the little things and uh, just um, switching off for a second is, is, is costly and it was in this situation and uh, we'll, we'll work on that and, and see if we can pick up a little bit better Despite going down ten men, it seemed like you guys, you guys did have three pretty good chances. You felt like even after you got, after Jordan went off, you guys still probably 
you know, had the better chances before they, before they took the lead? I thought we had some fantastic chances. I thought the guys did well to create them, and uh, I thought we should have scored. Uh, but not doing that again, uh, we, we, we get a goal against and, and go down 10 men and 2-1, and then it's, it's uphill. As a goalkeeper, you saw the, have you seen the, the replay of the Morales chance at the end? And, and you know... Um, you probably have the best opinion of whether or not it should count. I, I haven't seen it, so it's hard for me to, um, to to speculate on what I'm hearing. Is that he's got a hand to it, and um, so what I will say is that that's one of those 50-50 situations, and those haven't been going our way, um, especially not here at home. Um, if if it's a save, uh, good for the ref. He got that one right, and uh, I'll say hopefully you want some of those 50-50 situations will will, will come our way. Is it a positive that you have a game against TFC on Wednesday and you don't have to dwell on this match tomorrow? Yeah, I think uh, we want to get going as soon as possible. So TFC will be a big match. We have some big match coming up, so it'll be nice to, to get going again. Your thoughts on, on, on that, getting that first one for the club? Uh, it's a great feeling getting my first goal for the club, you know, but unfortunately we didn't get the result we had expected. But you know, as a team, we got to just what another bridge and let's go both around and get a win. You guys were a bit sluggish to start the second half when they when they tied it. Did lower lower? I didn't think we were sluggish to start the second half, but you know I just think one of the guys lose concentration on his mark and you know the guy got a free header and he scored. Carl, you've been close on a couple of headers on on corners before. <laughs> were you getting a bit anxious? Did you, did you think it was ever going to come? Yeah, I was. I was getting close. You know, I say I say well, you know. I've been getting close, and I, I said one day it will be in, you know, and it was a great cross by Pedro, and it is a well finish. Yeah, I mean, I just... You got a little bit lucky, too. I think it went between Kennedy's legs, didn't it? <laughs> well, you know, they say sometimes you got to make it one luck, and that's what I did. Were you disappointed defensively with the goals that you conceded, especially the first one? Uh, well, the first one, of us at PCA, we disappointed, but as I said, it's soccer. So we just had to build us a team again and concentrate more. Any injury concern? You came not close to the end of the match? Mm, not that, but you know, I rolled my ankle at the end of the game. But it's okay, you know, let's got to see the doctor tomorrow and start the therapy on my ankle, and by Wednesday I should be fine. So that's enough about the Shivas disappointment. Fair credit to Shivas, I do want to say that. I mean, they came, they battled hard, they looked out of it, and they left with it all three points, so good for them. Whitecaps now have to turn their attention to a really difficult two-game road trip against two of the best sides in MLS. Maybe Salt Lake next Saturday's not showing the great form just now, but they are getting all their World Cup back, guys back, so you think they're going to start gelling. But first up on Wednesday is Toronto. It's going to be a full-strength Toronto team. Jermaine Defoe in fantastic form, another two goals today. And I kind of hate myself for saying this, but Toronto, they're really impressing me this year. Not with the players that they've brought in, because you expect them to do well with that, but their fighting quality. They go down to 10 men, they fight hard. Today they were two goals behind at home and they fought back for a 4-2 victory. Yeah. That's the kind of fight we haven't really seen from the Whitecaps a lot this year. I think it's going to be a tough battle. I think Cal might have made some changes for this game, but now, as, as you heard in the audio earlier, he's going to have to sleep in it and, and decide what he wants to do. But what's your thoughts on Wednesday, Steve? I think they need to come up with something different. Um, obviously, the left-back position is going to be the new player, whether it's Christian Dean or Sam Adekubi. I, I, I would like to see Sam get a run out there. I know and I know Christian played there against TFC during the, the Voyager's Cup, and he didn't do too well. 
Um, he struggled against them. I mean, he's, he's like not starting a left there. Back. Yeah, he's. It's good for him to come off the bench and everything to play left back, but he's not a starter there at all. So I, I like to see Sam. He seems Sam seems to be in form and ready to go. He's played a couple of PDL matches, uh, so he sh- should be ready to go. And for that, um, we'll see how training is and everything. Other than that, I like to see Kakuda get a game off, uh, put somebody else in that spot, and maybe rotate either Lava or Kofi off for Tiber and see what they can do with that. Harp, what's your thoughts on the Toronto game? And would you keep Eric Hurtado up front? I think it's going to be an exciting match. It always is when Vancouver and Toronto get together. Uh, no, I would uh, put Eric Hurtado on the bench, and I would definitely give Darren Maddox a start. I think with these these two matches this week, it's it's a quick turnaround. It's a lot of travel. So I think we might see, you know, a lot of players coming in and out. I don't think he's going to go with, he's definitely not going to go with the same starting 11 in both matches. So you need to find a good balance where you've got two strong lineups in both matches. So I think we'll see a lot of, uh, a lot of changes. We won't see the same starting 11, that's for sure. So I think if you can get Sam in there, I think Nigel could get a start as well. Yeah. So I think he will. I, th- yeah. I think he will. We'll I, I, I think we're going to see... Maybe it's Nigel our, and Russell. Could be. Holding mid. I, I think we're going to see a real Coker-Bradley battle in the middle of the park. And I think that's a good battle to have. Michael Bradley didn't play today, so you know we're not sure how fit he is, if he's going to be ready to go on Wednesday. So they it, could catch a break with him though, and with that bald head, I mean, it's, it's risky. Yeah. I mean, this is a night game, so he's maybe not going to get as, as burnt. With, with the two games coming up, which one do you guys see as being the more important one, uh, TFC or RSL? My opinion, I'd like to see them beat TFC. I don't, I don't really, I don't really have any hate towards RSL. I, I prefer to see TFC go down, and also it helps with the uh, Concacaf berth for next year too, because the the top MLS team advances for t- twenty fifteen. So I think that that would be more important in this case. If you think with your head, you should definitely say Real Salt Lake because they're in the Western Conference and it's good to, uh, you know, be the team that's in, in your conference and the, the Whitecaps struggled against RSL earlier this season. But if you go with my heart, and I, I that's what I'm going to do, I want to see them beat Toronto. I want to see any Vancouver BC team beat Toronto in any sport. You know, wax them 7 nothing. I don't care what the score is, just beat Toronto. So I can get one over all my cousins and all the people over there. You know, it's always exciting when Vancouver and Toronto meet, and it's the same thing in MLS. So definitely, I would prefer to see them take all three points from Toronto and send those Easterners back to their cabins in the woods. For me, it's RSL is the most important game. Yes, there's CONCACAF points at stake for the Champions League. Ultimately, it'd be great to be in that, but ultimately I don't care. It's, it's about the playoffs for me. A win next week pulls the Whitecaps level with Real Salt Lake, which, of course, as we said, they could have done today. So I feel they really have to try and get the three points next week. The West is, it, I mean, it, the West is tighter than a Nats chuff just now. Mm. And it's only going to get tighter. Well, And I think you have to really go for it against, against Salt Lake and take the risk that Toronto's going to to come out maybe better anyway because they've maybe got the better players and there's a travel east so I say put out a weaker team against Toronto or weakish and go for it against Salt Lake remember with CONCACAF you get more of this yeah. and I'm making the money simple if it'll be obviously on a podcast you don't see it it would be nice to be in the Champions League 
I just think it's not going to happen anyway because I think Toronto's going to go on a run now and they're going to get the points in the bank. Yeah. So I, I for me, it's a, it's have a, to go for Salt It's Lake. a weaker Eastern Conference. It's going to be hard for them oh, to yeah, catch I mean, up. The, the Eastern Conference is dreadful. Yeah. Something that excites Steve and me, the new USL Pro team. I mean, we're cock-a-hoop about this USL Pro team. It's something we've wanted forever and it's now still not officially a reality so close to being a reality. Yeah, there's just uh, the only issue is going to be the the stadium location, and whether the, they can push this through to the to the council, because there are going to be people that are going to fight it. Um, most there, there's there's a baseball this, issue yeah. you were talking yeah. about. Yeah, I mean that to me, I think that could be the one of the big ones because they're going to build them a new baseball facility, yeah. which is great, but folk will be up in arms about that. The other issue as well, of course, is folk are worried about increased travel and parking. Traffic. I, traffic. I mean, I had, a, I had a look at where it is because I wasn't 100% sure where it was in New West. There's so much parking around about. I don't think yeah, it's an issue. But, no, They're not going to anyway. Driving around New West is dreadful, though. They, they, yes. Yeah, yeah you travel. take a wrong turning in yeah. New West and you're like driving around but, hard trying to get back. But overall, I think it's, it is fantastic. It wants to get past those issues. I think September 15th or so is the deadline to yeah. apply for it. And Bobby said, if New West say no, this is going ahead. Maybe not in time for next season, but it's going to go ahead no matter well, the, where they're going to get. It might not happen in somewhere. New West next year, but it will happen somewhere next year, I think he said. They, I don't know. I, well, I, you could read it one of two ways that uh, it's definitely going to happen next year. It will happen sometime. Because they could play somewhere temporarily for now. Well, yeah, they could, always go, they could always go UBC, play at Swan Guard or, or UBC, UBC yeah. or something like that, yeah. Ho- hopefully not UBC, though. But overall, I think it's great for development. There, there is like that that place where you know you have your 19 people that come out of the U18 team and don't want to go to college up until 23 or so 22 those guys need playing time and this is a good place for them to go for that playing time there's just so many benefits to the white caps and this and canadian soccer yeah but yeah let's I just mean, count that some of the guys that could have uh, if they had this from the beginning you got you ben fisk you got your caleb clark who could have Played more minutes there. Derek Bassey that Der- we talked about earlier. Yeah, the, the, these guys could have developed there and, and become MLS Daniel Stanese, would he have had to have gone to a think, little lower league team in Germany? I think he still would have gone to Germany. He's, he, he wanted to go through Europe. I think even Caleb Clark mentioning him, he probably wanted to go off to Europe too. Yeah. But but I think there are there were options where there's some, there'll be some players who maybe weren't good enough when they were U18s, that, but because they get playing time at a USL pro level maybe are late bloomers and become those players that you, you exactly. want. Exactly. I mean, some players, I know folk talk about, oh, they should be developed by 18. That's not the case. No. Some, some players are going to develop late, and we've seen that in the residency. In the last couple of years, there have been a number of players, Mitch Perot this year. Yes. Last year it was Spencer Du Bois, and they just flourished in the tail end of their last year in the residency. And then Spencer went to SFU. Mitch, we don't know what's going to happen with him, but now if this team's there, this is this opportunity yeah. for a guy like Mitch who has shown a lot of skills, and I think he's close to being MLS ready, but he isn't. Yeah. And this is going to get these guys to do that. Someone like Yassin Nessa last yeah, I year. I was going to mention him. Yeah, yeah, he didn't want to go to college. No. And the last I saw, he was with a CCB uh, TU in the VMSL. He was playing yeah. the Provincial Cup. And he was doing a little bit of, with the PDL too, but yeah. obviously it's not working out for him there either. But yeah, players like that will have a chance to develop. Like, instead of going to college where they spent four years developing there in a, in a limited uh, practice, limited yeah. playing time, 
This will be. F- they could go to this. This will be the like that college atmosphere. But a they'll ma- have I think more. It's a March to September season. So yeah, it's a and, long and, season. And it's, it's full time training, full time playing, and you're training sometimes even probably with the first team too. Well, so I think that's the, the plan. I think they've still got to finalise this and, and get it all sorted out. But I think what they ideally would like is that the players are kind of training together a lot. Most of the training, Bobby said, is still going to take take place at, uh, up at UBC. Um, the residency, there was talk that they'll play some games there. They're, they're still going to play games at, at UBC. It's not that they're moving to play in U.S. as well, which I know some folk read between the right the lines wrongly. It's going to be a soccer-specific stadium. The Whitecaps pro team will play there, but it's also going to have facility use as well. The big thing that's not decided yet is turf pitch or grass pitch. I spoke to a U.S. official, and they said ideally they would like to have a grass pitch, with a turf pitch beside it, but there's still a lot of logistics to sort out with that. Yeah, and, and it, it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully, it works out. We'll see. Obviously, then they'll find out. And they brought some partners in with them, so it's not the White Caps footing the full bill. Yep. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the price ranges will be. If there's going to be discounts for season ticket holders to go there, I, I just hope they get a good yeah. support. Yeah, and it's good because people that can't afford to come to these games with their family, yeah. can take their family to the this. kids. Exactly, they, they need to 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 do a big focus on families and kids with this, and like give free tickets to the local soccer associations and try and get the BC Premier League kids to come along if the if the games coincide. Will they play a Friday? Will they play a Sunday? Will any games clash with the first team? Yeah. All of these things still have to be sorted out. So excited about this. Thing. For sure. Let's talk about an, a player who could be part of that USL Pro team next year. And you mentioned him earlier too, Marco Bustos. Um, ah, Marco, causing a little bit of a kerfuffle. From last week, yeah. He, he Basically, obviously, he t- he's accepted a call-up to a U20 Chilean a junior team yeah it's basically it's a training camp yeah. where they're playing some games friendlies exactly Friend, it's a so, tournament but it's kind of friendlies so so officially he hasn't switched or anything like that he's just exploring options keeping options open like he said himself in an article in the province what is your opinion of this I know you've you've had opinions about nationality before like this seems like a, 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 sm- a small issue at this point I think it is. I understand why Canadian fans are getting upset because Marco's received money from the Canadian government. He's represented Canada at all levels, and now they think he's turning his back. He's not turning his back. They're, he's, he's exploring his options, and I know that doesn't sit comfortable with some people, and I understand that. Now, for me, there's a couple of different issues. I don't think he should be qualified to play for Chile. He was born in Canada. He's represented Canada. To me, he's Canadian. I feel the same way about Fraser Aird. I don't think he should have represented Scotland. To me, he is Canadian. He's made that choice to go to Canada. I I just don't agree with all this switching of nationalities. And it should be where you were born or have very, very close associations with, were raised for part of your life there or whatever. So that's, that's one element. I also think that Marco should choose Canada because I think he's going to get more opportunities playing for Canada and more chance of playing for the Canadian national team than he will for the Chilean national team, although we don't know, obviously, what kind of player Marco will develop into. On the other hand, I don't care, really, because for me, it's always club before country. I'm not Canadian, so folk will say that that's one of the reasons, but for me, club goes before country. This is going to be a fantastic opportunity for him. He's going to learn different training sessions. He's going to 
just have a better understanding of the world game. The Whitecaps could lose him to a Chilean club or another club because he, he does well at this camp and puts himself in the spotlight. But anything that he can do to make himself a better player that's going to make him a better player for the Whitecaps is fine in my book. Well, uh, I'm essentially kind of in the same boat. If he picks Canada, then this is a positive thing that he did because he did go over there. He did learn some new stuff. Uh, I'm sure he's going to learn a lot of stuff. And uh, and, uh, we talked about it off air. Pedro Morales obviously had a big influence on him getting to Chile. Yeah. Uh, but, But if he doesn't pick Canada... I'll be the first in line with the pitchfork with everybody else. But right now, I'm reserving, reserving my my judgment until that happens. Because as of right now, he hasn't closed the door or anything. There's a there, the the U20 team is going to the, the Milk Cup in in Ireland. So if he if he if he says no to that, that'll be a big telling thing. But I'm sure he'll say yes to that. So this this is this is right now kind of I I've gone through the ringer of emotions ever since I found this out. Um, because we've watched him for I've, so many years. Yeah, right? I, I went through the five stages of <laughs> denial or whatever, denial, grief. rage, grief, whatever you want to say. At one point, I announced that I would be quitting following soccer if, if he switched over. So I thought that was a bit dramatic. It was dramatic. When you made it the PDL game. And I think he even announced it in front of the Curva Collective when when they <laughs> pick up something. So uh, I, at this point, and it, I, I think at this point, right now in my head, if he does go over to Chile, while, while I won't cheer for him, I, I really don't at this point I really don't care anymore I think Canada needs to essentially get whatever players want to play for them build those guys up get those guys in there and as soon as they get better doing that then they'll start attracting I personally think that they're the, the country is still about 10 years away from even competing to having a chance of going into the World Cup I think the next two cycles they're not going to have a chance I was looking over age groups and everything like that and right now, the guys in their prime that are going to be in their prime for the uh, qualification for twenty six no, twenty eighteen, there's not very much there. And even the next level, there's not much there. This is the third stage that with people that are going to be in the prime for the twenty twenty six. That's when you're going to have because you need essentially a, a, a national pool of about forty to fifty players, and and at least two to three deep on each position in order to compete. And have a chance of going to the World Cup, even and the Concacaf is getting stronger as well. For for me though, it shouldn't actually matter whether Canada's going to make the World Cup or not. It's like if you want to play for them, you shouldn't want to play for them just because you think they're no, going to play for the World Cup. No, what I'm saying is that you, some of these guys that are going to come up, there are. Yeah, well, they, I mean, they so could, you, yeah, it's going to be a while, and, and you're going to lose less players yeah. once you start getting more competitive and having a chance to go into the World Cup. But you have True. to go with the guys that want to be there right now. I mean, I. I if, if Marco does pick Chile, I won't be there with a pitchfork. I'm going to say good luck to him, wish him all the best, and hopefully cheer him on as a white cap because he's a talented guy. And it's like, this decision, as far as I'm concerned, it's his decision to make. Mm. It's no one else's decision. And whatever decision he does choose, I'll support him in it. I, I won't actually have a pitchfork. I'm just... Uh, symbolism kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> So very last thing for this podcast, Steve, you were down in Bellingham on Tuesday. I couldn't go because I had yeah. to go to the USL Pro Presser. Quick bit about the under-16s heartbreak in the quarterfinals of the USSDA. Yeah, they, they, they were the better team in, the, in, in that game. They, they dominated. They had so many chances in that first 10 minutes. They, they just couldn't finish. They basically, the two goals they gave up were 
balls they, they gave up in the midfield over turnovers, and it was a quick turnaround. Same guy who, who is actually part of the U.S. national team program, scored both goals. Um, they, they, they came back. There was a goal that was, if there was goal line technology, would have counted. Obviously, there's not going to be a U16 level, so that was going to. But it rippled the net. You could tell from a distance. Everybody saw it. That this it is not a biased. No, I'm not. This. No, like, okay. the, the, there was a number of everybody, the coaches, everybody saw it ripple the <laughs> Every net. Every Whitecap supporter yeah. that was there. Obviously, so that was a goal. <laughs> yeah, well, Chicago to be biased that it's saying it's not a goal, but that 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 was a chance. And even they scored a goal finally. Uh, Zanetta headed it in, but there were a number of other chances that they could have easily drawn level and even gone ahead it was just a a matter of fact that they just didn't have enough time to go through uh, and get those chances but from what they were last year where they missed the playoffs and were actual quite a dreadful team when you look at uh, when you don't take account their age and everything to where they are now they've made leaps and bounds and strides I mean I think their suffering just now was a heartbreaking loss but fantastic for them did everyone proud, did themselves proud. I'm looking forward to seeing these guys, how, how they bounce back from this next year. So that's it for this episode of the podcast. Before we wrap up, let's just go around the table and tell everyone where we can find you online. So, Har? You can read my Whitecap stuff at Red Nation online, and you can read my women's soccer coverage at TheEqualizer.com. I know Michael is a big fan of women's soccer, so he reads that website daily. I'm and you constantly can... on looking at the pictures. And of course, you can always follow me at Hard Journalist. Steve, hopefully shorter, but can you t- where can we find you online? You can find me on Whitecaps Beat on Twitter and obviously writing for Canadian Soccer News. Really? Sometimes. Okay. Now, Michael McCall, you can find me on Twitter at AFT in Canada. You can find all my writings on Away From The Numbers, AFTN.ca, Canadian Soccer News. I also cover the Whitecaps for Soccerly.com and I'm the beat reporter for the Whitecaps for MLSsoccer.com. So until next time, let's just hope for some gutsy road performances from the Whitecaps. Can they get any points from this? Hopefully at least two, ideally three, I want six. So until next time, thanks for listening. Take care and mon the Caps. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.